you have a good Thanksgiving? Yes. Did you overeat? Yes. No comment. I overate, but then I pulled it back, and I took authority again. I said, I'm going to enter into grace for one day, but now I'm back under the law of the Spirit. I haven't lost anything. Come on, somebody. I want to be led of the Spirit this morning. I want to speak to you about the ministry of the towel. The ministry of the towel. The book of John chapter 13. There's something very specific that the Spirit of the Lord wants to do in this service this morning. I love when God takes over. I had a whole message prepared for you this morning, but during worship, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, the ministry of the towel. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The NIV says he now showed them the full extent of his love. And supper being ended and the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come from God and was going to God. Rose from supper. And laid aside his garments. Took a towel. And girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin. And began to wash the disciples feet. And to wipe them with the towel with which he he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean but not all of you for he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. 
If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Father, today I pray that you would gird our hearts with a towel. That you would take us to your wash basin. And that you would teach us how to wash one another's feet. Holy Spirit, give us a revelation. And give us understanding of what you're saying to us today. And let your Holy Spirit rest on this house in a new way. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about fellowship, and last week we defined fellowship as consisting of faith, hope, and love. We ended with love because Paul says, out of faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. We talked about what love is. We talked about what love does. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and following. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not self-seeking. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not easily provoked. It does not rejoice in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always believes. It always hopes. And it always endures. Love never fails. And then even compares love to the spiritual gifts and says if there's prophecies, prophecies will, will, will cease. If there's tongues, tongues will fail. If there's knowledge, knowledge will pass away. But love never fails. It's not our spiritual giftedness that will last forever, but our love will. And we talked about fellowship as consisting primarily of love, as love being the central component, the central ingredient in the recipe of true spiritual fellowship in the body of Christ. Here in this passage of Scripture, Jesus demonstrates what love is says, having loved those who were his own, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Having loved those who were his own, he now showed them the full extent of his love. You know, it's possible to love someone but never show it. Love can become a cliche when it's just spoken. I love you. We can say it all. Hey, love you, bro. Hey, bro, love you. Love you, bro. Hey, love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you so much. Love you. Love you. We, use the, we overuse that word to the point where we don't know what it means. Man, I love me some collard greens. And I love you, bro. I put you and collard greens in the same category. When we say love, we're speaking of our self-experience. I love, cat, I love collard greens, meaning that when I eat collard greens, it provides me with a rewarding experience. It tantalizes my taste buds. And typically when we say I love you, what I mean is I really enjoy your presence. Being around you provides me with a rewarding experience. But love in the kingdom of God is something greater than an experience for me. It is self-giving. It is self-sacrificing. It puts others before the self. I love you means I'll never leave you no matter what you do to me. I love you means I've made a decision to quickly forgive. I love you means I'm going to be slow to speak, quick to listen, quick to hear, and slow to wrath. I love you means I'm committed to you. means you're going to have to walk away from me because I'll never walk away from you. That's what I love you means. I love you means if even if you stab me in the back, I'm still going to be with you. 
It means that I put you on my list of important people and I'm not taking you off of that list. You're too important to me. And so I'm going to fight for you. Love is an action word. Having loved those who were his own, he now showed them the full extent of his love. And what did he do? He laid aside his garments and he girded himself with a towel. And then he took a wash basin and poured water into it. And it says he began to wash his disciples' feet. Imagine it. He calls over the first disciple. Come here, Matthew. Sit here. Takes off Matthew's shoes and sticks his feet in the wash basin and begins to wash Matthew's feet. Matthew's confused. What are you doing? You know why this was such a dramatic moment? I'd I'd be willing to bet there was not a dry eye in the room. Because washing feet was the one thing that even a slave did not have to do. You couldn't even command your slave to wash somebody's feet. You couldn't even command your slave to wash your feet. It was the most degrading thing that someone could do in that culture at the time. It was lower than the place of a slave. It was degrading. It was humiliating. Nobody had to touch your nasty feet. And in those days, they didn't wear shoes. They wore sandals. And they walked outside on dirt roads. Somebody, do you know how filthy their feet were? Now, if you really wanted to show hospitality to your guests, when you invited people over your home, you would put a basin out on the floor and say, there you go. That's hospitality. Giving them water to wash their own feet. Jesus could have put that wash basin out and said, everybody, come over here, wash your nasty feet. But instead, he gets down on his hands and knees. And he begins to wash his disciples' feet. They don't understand what he's doing. If you've ever experienced foot washing, I remember the first time I had my feet washed, I didn't understand what was happening. I was a student at Fuller Seminary. It was my last year, and in that finals week, They knew that there was a group of us that were about to graduate. And in the last chapel service, they said, we want everybody who's getting ready to graduate to come sit in the front row. And we came and sat in the front row, and they pulled out wash basins without saying a word. And the professors got on their hands and knees and washed our feet. I'll never forget that moment. I remember Dr. Roberta King got on her hands and knees and washed my feet. I I just sat there and cried. I didn't even understand why I was crying or what I was feeling. I didn't know what was happening. And it was more than just emotion. Something was happening in the spirit there. And I couldn't even define it. I couldn't even understand it. Jesus goes to wash Peter's feet. And he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You know what Peter's saying? No, Lord, I can't allow you to humiliate yourself like this. I can't allow you to degrade yourself like this. You are greater than I. You're not going to put yourself beneath me. If anybody should be less than a slave, it should be me. I should be washing your feet. Remember when John said, I'm not worthy to unlatch his sandals? He was alluding to foot washing. He said, I'm not even worthy to be his foot washer. I'm not even worthy to be less than a slave to him. Lord, you're going to make yourself less than a slave to me? No, I can't allow it, Lord. He says, Peter, you don't understand what I'm about to do to you right now. But later, you'll know it. You'll understand it later. The understanding will come later. Just receive this. Just let this go down. Just let it happen. 
He said, Lord, I can't let this happen. I can't let you do this to me. I cannot allow you. I, I can't allow my mess to get on you. I don't want my mess to affect you. You ever feel that way? You feel that way? You know, people come to church and they disappear from church for a while. I say, what happened? I got involved in some mess and I didn't want my mess to start messing with the people at the church. I don't want my mess to mess with you. And so I need to step aside so I can deal with my mess. And Jesus says, no, you don't understand. Your mess will never mess with me. I'm going to mess with your mess. Lord, you don't know what I got between my toes. You've never seen such fungus. You don't know what I got under my toenails. You don't know how long it's been since I've cut those toenails. My toenails are so sharp, I might accidentally cut you. You don't know what kind of stuff I stepped in on the way here. Didn't even see it come to step right in a pile of stuff. Jesus, I can't allow you to get stuff on your hands while you're washing my feet. You don't know how nasty it is down there. Matter of fact, nobody does because I never allowed anybody to touch me in that place. I like to keep that place to myself. I like to try to wash my own feet. The problem is, if you're like me, you can't even bend far enough to wash your own feet. And that's why most folks in the ancient world, their feet just stayed nasty. Because nobody else is going to wash them. And you can't really reach them to wash them yourself. So they just stay nasty. That's why Jesus was able to wash his disciples' feet. They hadn't been washed. Jesus says to Peter, if you don't let me do this, you can have no part of me. You hear what Jesus is saying? If you don't let me touch you in the place where nobody else has touched you. If you don't let me see you in the place where nobody else has seen you. If you don't let me get to your deep stuff, your dark stuff, your dirty stuff, the stuff you stepped in. You can have no part of me. Peter says, wait, well, hold on a second. I just reevaluated. All right. <laughs> well, if it's like that, <laughs> then not only my feet. Wash my hands, my head. I think I got some stuff under my arms. Wash my back. That's never been washed. I can't reach that. Wash my neck. I got some other places that need washing too. Lord, wash every part of me. If that's if it's like that, I'll show you everything if it's like that. And Jesus says, he who has been washed is already clean. All he needs is his foot washed. He says, you're clean because of the word that I spoke to you. All you need is your feet washed. You're clean. You just need your feet washed. See, here's the thing. In the body of Christ, we tend to polarize. Either you're dirty or you're clean. And if you're clean, you're completely clean. And we don't like responding to altar calls for dirty stuff because people are going to think, I'm completely dirty. No, you just need your feet washed. 
You're clean in every other place, Jesus says. You're clean. You just got some stuff that you couldn't get to yourself. You need somebody to help you get that stuff off your feet. I'm here to wash your feet. I don't need to wash your body. Your body's already been washed with the water of the word. You've been sitting at my feet listening to me. You're clean. I'm not pointing the finger at you and condemning you and saying, get over here, you dirty, nasty. Get, bring those nasty. Oh, Lord. Can you just see Jesus going, oh, Lord, look at these feet. You ought to be ashamed of yourself for having feet so nasty. What in the world? Where had, were you walking barefoot? What happened to your sandals? For God's sake, bring these nasty feet. Scott got to spray. Oh, oh, my God, they stink. Oh, my God. Oh, Peter, I'm about to pass out your feet. Jesus wasn't doing any of that. This isn't condemnation. I'm showing you the full extent of my love. The full extent of my love says I'm willing to wash you where nobody else is willing to wash you. The full extent of my love says I can reach you at a place nobody else can reach you. The full extent of my love says I'll bring you close to me and I won't condemn you for having stuff on your feet. Instead, I'm going to get on my knees and on my hands and I'm going to wash them. washes Peter's feet. And then he gets up. The disciples are sitting in a row, tears filling their eyes, still grappling with and trying to understand what happened to them. Jesus puts his clothes back on, dries himself off, and sits down at the table with them. And he looks at them and says, okay, now let's talk about what I just did. You know, God is not interested in your understanding as much as he's interested in your experience. There's some stuff he's going to give you before you even understand what he's given you. There's some stuff he's going to do to you without you understanding. That'll come later. Sometimes God says, just let me do it. Just like, but God, I don't understand. You don't need to understand. I don't think plates understand soap, but they still get cleaned by it. It is not necessary for a plate to understand what is happening to it when it's being washed. But the one who is doing the washing better understand. God wants to cleanse you at a place so deep that you don't even understand that you've been cleansed. Matter of fact, he'll cleanse stuff in your life that you didn't even know was dirty. Because the fact of the matter is you and I got stuff so deep in us that we don't even know it's there. We got stuff in crevices and in cracks and, and we got fungus growing in places where we didn't even know it's there. And you know what? He doesn't need us to know. He wasn't on his knees pulling stuff out of toes and going, did you know this was in your toe? Look at this. I want, to, I want you to see how filthy you are. He cleanses you of stuff. I was reading in Hosea chapter 11 and he said, when Ephraim was a child, I knew him, and out of Egypt I called my son. He says, I walked with him, and he went on to say, he didn't know that I healed him. He didn't even know that I healed him. Sometimes God heals you, and you didn't even know you were sick. He protects you, and you didn't even know you were in danger. He delivers you, and you didn't even know you were in bondage. He sets you free, and you didn't even know you had been taken captive, and he doesn't even need you to know. There's stuff that I rescue my daughter from all the time that she didn't even know that she was in danger of. Play in precarious places, I just pick her up. Sitting on the edge of something about to fall off, and I just come over and pick her up. I don't say, baby, you were about to fall. I don't need you to know you were about to fall. I knew you were about to fall. Jesus says, let's talk about what just happened. 
You call me teacher and Lord. Rightly so. That's what I am. But yet I washed your feet. Isn't that interesting? So you know why I did this? I did it to be an example to you. Because if I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, then you should wash one another's feet. Jesus is establishing the parameters of the fellowship amongst his disciples. Let me teach you what it means to be my disciple. Later on in the same chapter, he'll say, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. But he just demonstrated what that means. That's down in verse 35, 13, 35. But before he tells them, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. He shows them what it means to love one another. You got to wash one another's feet. Let me ask you, when was the last time you washed somebody's feet? See, in the body of Christ, we're so used to pointing the finger at one another. In the body of Christ, in the body of Christ, we're so used to pointing out one another's faults. When was the last time you washed someone's feet without even telling them what was there? I don't even need you to know what went wrong. I'm just here to say, I got you covered. I'm here to walk with you. And when was the last time you allowed somebody else to wash your feet? When was the last time you took off your socks in front of somebody? That is, you were not ashamed or afraid to show people who you really are. He says, this is how you develop fellowship with one another. This is how you show love to one another. You wash one another's feet. It's interesting to me that it seems as a whole, the body of Christ has missed this. You know, Jesus instituted communion. And we actually take the bread and put it in our mouth and take the the juice, the wine, and we drink it. Why? Because Jesus commanded us to do it. He said, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. He commanded us to wash each other's feet too. How did we miss this? Baptism. The Bible commands us to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We do that. We actually take people, dunk them in water. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pull them out. But we don't wash people's feet. Kevin and I were talking about linen life a week ago. I remember in one service at linen life, the Lord spoke to me during worship and said, wash feet right now. I had somebody pull out a couple buckets, put water in them. And said, if you need your feet washed, come up here right now. The man came forward, put his feet in the water. And as we washed his feet, not only were we weeping, but he was weeping. He was just broken and weeping. You know what happened to him that day? He got set free at that moment of a cocaine addiction. He came back two weeks later. He said, I haven't touched the stuff. This is amazing. This stuff used to wake me up in the middle of the night. I mean, no withdrawals, nothing. Completely set free. Why? Because somebody anointed him with oil? No, because he allowed his feet to be washed. He allowed somebody to wash his feet. Some of you here have been trying to wash your own feet. Stuff in your life you're trying to cleanse yourself of. You're trying to be your own redeemer. And you said in your heart, if I can only try harder, if I could only try harder, if I just try a little bit harder, I know I could beat this. 
And the Lord is saying to you today, I've come with the towel. And I've come to show you the full extent of my love. Would you just let me wash your feet? Do you know that when we wash one another's feet, it's as if Jesus himself were washing our feet. It's an act that Jesus enters into with us. We should practice it. We should, in the church, there should be opportunity for open repentance. People should have the opportunity at any time and the freedom to come forward and say, I need to be cleansed of this without condemnation. And there should be open repentance between brothers and sisters in the church. We should be able to go to anybody in the church and say, I need to confess to you. See, it's not about, it's not like in Roman Catholicism where you got to go to a priest. We're all priests. We're a kingdom of priests. You go to any brother or any sister and say, brother, I need you to walk with me. Sister, I need you to help me. I'm going through this. I'm struggling with this. And I need to confess it because it's in the confessing of it that the stream of cleansing comes. We want to just confess to God in the prayer closet. And I'm not belittling that. Yes, that's great. That's powerful. That's important. But there's something about sharing it with another brother or sister. That's why James said, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We want to skip right over the confess your sins one to another. And we just want to pray for one another for healing. When you needed healing for something, when was the last time you confessed something to the person who prayed for your healing? What I'm saying is that there's a healing flow. There's a deepening of our fellowship. There's a deepening of our connection and our union to one another. When we take up the ministry of the towel. I want to see us come to the house of God with towels over our shoulders. Every week. Come into the house of God saying, I'm I'm going to look for a brother or sister. Whose feet need washing. And I'm going to wash their feet. And I will never point my finger at the dirtiness of a man's feet. Instead, I'm going to have the towel ready to wash them. You want real fellowship? Come to church with a towel over your shoulder and with bare feet. Not only am I ready to wash somebody else's feet, my feet are bare. And I'm willing to let you wash my feet too. Jesus says, by this all men will know that you're my disciples. That you love one another. And then he adds this, as I have loved you. Understand that. Every rabbi had a yoke. The yoke of one rabbi was that his disciples did not eat meat on Thursdays. If you went to a party on Thursdays and there was a group of guys that weren't eating meat at that party, you knew, oh, those are the disciples of Hillel. Another disciple, another rabbi, his yoke was that his disciples had to fast every Monday. So if you were at a party and there was a group of people not eating, say, what day is it, Monday? Oh, yeah, those are Shemai's disciples. Another rabbi, his yoke was that his disciples only ate fish. You went to a party and there was a bunch of steak out there, but there was a group of people only eating fish. 
you knew, oh, those are his disciples. Jesus says, you want to take my yoke upon you? You go to a party, and first thing that happens when they come in the door, you see a group of people that are washing each other's feet. You say, those are the disciples of Jesus. Look at that. They're making themselves even less than a slave to one another. Because that's the key. It's not just me washing your feet. You wash mine. We both made ourselves less than a slave to one another. That means we both exalted one another. Now we've established the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And we've learned how to love as he loves. Let's pray.